What's going on, everybody? Happy Wednesday or Thursday if you're the one of the pundits. Uh, this is, you know who it is. It's Blaine Spencer, the host of the Final Whistle. I know it's March Madness coming around the corner, but we're here to talk about some Premier League soccer. And again, I got Alex and I've got Brad, the wannabe pundits. They cover Premier League coverage all across Australia for their podcast. Alex and Brad, how are you guys doing? Appreciate you taking some time. Nah, it's good, mate. Good to be here. Thanks for having us on. Very good way around from the future. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, what's the what's gonna be the temperature for tomorrow? Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> raining here, raining, rain and a bit cold. Yeah, that's it, mate. We don't, we don't want, we don't want that. No. So anyway, let's just jump right in, fellas. So I mean, we're th- almost three quarters of the way, or roughly at the three quarter point of the season. What has been the biggest takeaway for you guys, uh, Alex? I'll start with you. What's your biggest takeaway of the season so far? Um, I think, I think for me, I'm a Manchester United fan, so I think for us to finish. Second, really, after a poor start last season, poor start this season, poor start. But we've still managed to creep in a few points. Um, our top six against, well, what should I say, our results against big six clubs haven't been the greatest. Um, we've only managed to take away two points, three points. We haven't lost any, but they've all been bloody draws. But it is what it nil, is. Nil-nil draws, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly right. We copped a hiding against Tottenham earlier in the season, 6-1. But, no, I think for us to finish six, still be in the FA Cup, and we're still in Europa League, fingers crossed, touch wood for tomorrow morning, depending on how we go against AC Milan. <laughs> but, no, I think as a United fan, it's been good. But I think it's good to also see, as a, also as a United fan, to see Liverpool champions get knocked right off the perch, which is good, sitting in sixth place. And Tottenham and Arsenal, two London clubs, are still down the, towards mid halfway above mid-table. So, nah, it's good. I think it's been an interesting season. Brad? Um, yeah, I think uh, I agree with Alex. Um, from an overall perspective, I'd probably say that the, a good word to describe the season so far would be a roller coaster. From both the entire 20 teams, but also my team, Chelsea. Um, yeah, you'd say roller coaster because obviously our, um, uh, our legend, Frank Lampard, has been sacked. Um, after mixed results, like it's been a bit of a hard, hard time for, as a fan. Um, but we've come out now um, a better team and a bit more harmonious team. Um, but it's hard for me to say that because I, it feels like I'm having a, um, it's me criticising Lampard, but it isn't. It's sort of just about the team and where, where we want to be. And um, I'm happy that we are there now. But uh, from an overall perspective, I think um, West big, big um, sort of, Standout to West Ham, um, obviously in the top four race. Same with Aston Villa, um, and then you've obviously got Liverpool and the North London clubs that are struggling. So yeah, I think COVID's had an impact, um, but but yeah, roller coaster, I'd say. Yeah, and I think for me, it's the Leicester and West Ham both in the top four contention. I mean, I am a Leicester guy myself, uh, so I mean, for me, I I love James Madison, and I just I don't think he's gonna play for another couple of weeks and Harvey Barnes season looks like it's going to be over with his knee injury. But um, I think if we, I mean, for us, we couldn't close in the last year, we couldn't wrap it up when we thought we had it locked up and we ended up finishing fifth. Then we've already ex- exited out of the Europa because of, uh, I think we played Slavia Prague, Slavia Prague got us already. So, I mean, 
for as a Leicester fan, I mean, if we can just hold on, it's going to be treading water the rest of the way, just like how it was a year ago. But it'll be interesting to see. And I think, yeah, Arsenal and Tottenham not living up to the expectations. I mean, Jose came out blatantly after that London derby in North London and said that they're absolutely pathetic and that they really hid from the game and didn't want to take any control of the game. And you guys as Man United Chelsea fans, you guys are right there in the top four race. I want to get, Brad, I want to get your take first on Chelsea. What do you think of Tuchel so far? What has been your overall take? Um, and that- uh, from an overall perspective, I'd definitely say uh, looking back now when Lampard was sacked and right at this moment with Tuchel is I think he's a very good man manager. I think he can uh, bring a squad together and be very harmonious. You can sort of see that now. Um, I think that oh, I just read a stat, 13 games now for Tuchel and we've only uh, Minamino is the only player to score against us in those 13 games, which is pretty incredible. Um, but yeah, I think man management's a massive thing. I think that's where Lampard lacked experience, uh, freezing players out um, and causing a bit of disruption within the squad. I think that was sort of the beginning of the end for him. But I'm very, very impressed. You know, uh, Tuchel hasn't really, I'm really looked too much into him before he was at Chelsea. Obviously, he was at um, Mines and then Dortmund, PSG. But your PSG managers always get the old, um, well, well, I could win the league at PSG. You know what I mean? It's a walk in the park type of thing. So it's hard to judge, especially coming into the best league in the world, in my opinion. Um, but so far, he's doing an unreal job and I'm very happy with it. Yeah. Do you think that the money ended up coming back to bite Lampard, spending all that money a couple of years ago? Was that, was that, uh, do you think that played any role? I, I think I, I, it does play a role. I, I can't say it doesn't, but I, Lampard in his press conference did say that the media would come across and say, well, this is your first season, therefore you can do what you want. But he was clear that he had goals and he had to get them. Um, and, you know what I mean, his job would always be on the line, no matter what. You know what I mean? You're a Chelsea manager. It doesn't matter if you spend nothing or 300 million, it's still going to be, you still need to win. You know what I mean? So um, it definitely, you can definitely say that it was involved and an influence. Um, but I think it's hard to, to say that um, the money was the main factor. Absolutely. Alex, for your Man United, do you think OGS is the is the reason? Is he going to be the manager in the future? Or would you rather go a different direction? Um, I've, I've always said you got to give managers time. I've always been a strong believer of that. And we look where we started with Oli and how we're going. It, there has been a bit of improvement, but... For a club of Manchester United who have that history and they've got that, they've got the they've got the name. I think we need a we need a better manager. And you look across the road at Manchester City; they've got Pep Guardiola, who's probably one of the best managers ever. The football they're playing, the teams they've got, the players they've got. Sorry, they're just that they're just a step level above everyone, and that's why they're sitting where they are, and that's why they're dominating so much. And if Man United need to get back, want to get back to that. They're going to bring have to bring in more, more utility. Would you say pedigree? Yeah, pedigree. Yeah, pedigree. Good word, pedigree. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I'm kind of sitting on the fence on this still because, you know, Man United's had all this history, blah blah blah, and the last ten years has been up down, up down, up down. Can't. I mean, you can't fault the other previous managers. You can't say that Mourinho doesn't know football. You can't say that Louis Van Gaal doesn't know football. Um, David Moyes, you look what he's doing with West Ham at the moment. He's doing good stuff with them. 
So you can't say to about all these managers, they don't know football. And of course, Solskjaer knows football, but maybe a little bit more time, maybe not. I'm not sure. I'm still big question mark over my head about it. But I think the reason why Man United is there is because of Bruno Fernandes. And I think anyone would agree with that. Absolutely. He's right. And he should be right there for player of the year. If not, he's, if not being the front runner at the moment, in my yeah, opinion, absolutely. I think he's the front runner. Yeah. yeah. I think it's Bruno, then Gundogan and I can't remember who's third and who's in third sitting at the moment, but yeah, Bruno. And Gundogan Maybe Vardy. Are. I don't know. Vardy hasn't really played yeah. that well though in the last no. couple of weeks. It might, might be Kane actually. It might be Harry Kane. Yeah. 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 yeah with the assists. Yeah. He's, He's actually brought that into his game, which has been pretty impressive with his yeah. utility with that. What do you think of the injury to Son? How, how bad that's going to hurt Tottenham? What do you think there? I think it's a massive, massive loss. It's um, It seems that I think they can survive better. Tottenham can survive better without Son rather than Kane. I think Kane's more crucial to their team. Um, but they do work off each other a lot. But I think Kane will still be able to get goals without Son. But on the other way around, I don't think Son can get as many goals without Kane. Um, so I think they'll definitely be weaker, but I don't think it's the absolute end of the world when you've still got Kane on the pitch. Yeah, I completely agree. I think uh, with some, what are you going to, what do you think they're going to put just Bill and Lamella there? Or you think you move Bale over to the other side, move more out wide or keep him at more at the number 10 underneath? Uh, I think, what would you do? I, what would I do? What would you do? What would I do? I, I I'm a fan of Gareth Bale. I don't, I don't know. I don't think he's done enough as of yet, but um, you could argue that he needs a little bit more time to transition. But I think, I think Lucas Moore is very underappreciated, especially his work rate. Um, I'd probably go put Lucas Moore on that side if it was me. Yeah. I'd probably stuck Lucas Moore on that side. And um, Brad's going to laugh his head off when he says this. I, I'll chuck Harry Winks back in the midfield there. <laughs> well, but um. Harry Winks hasn't done anything this year for them. He's been riding yeah, the bench all Harry year. Wink? He can't even, he can't <laughs> even get the, into the Europa. We got the Harry, we got the Harry Winks conversation on, do we? What do you th- What are your thoughts about Harry Winks for you personally? I mean, I just don't think he has enough creativity on the ball for them for them to be use him in the correct way. He's more of a defensive mid, and I think Ndombele really has that locked up. And then if you want, if you're really going to try and bring him in. You got to contemplate moving Dyer at center back. And I don't like Eric Dyer at center back either, but mm. I think that's where they have him. What Dyer's at center back right now for them, I think, or they using uh, Aldo Irelde and Sanchez. I can't remember. Yeah. I know Dyer was yeah. there for a little bit. Yeah. The two, two center backs are dropping and changing every week. I yeah, he, he is. I don't, he, I don't think he has a clue. He's like, nah. he's got him and Klopp have the same issue. They have no idea who they're going to put at center, center back. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. And the thing is with Mourinho, he when you look at his history and where, where he where and where how he wins titles is purely down to his defense. And Tottenham at the moment is just you know I mean so shaky, and he's not going to be winning titles if he can't get his defense sorted. So it's pretty much the bottom line. Well, he also has his right and left back always ninety five percent up the pitch, and they're 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 always getting hit on the counter every time. That's why he sits back with. 10 guys and then Kane's up there by himself 95% of the time because he knows he's going to get burned because he's got what Doherty from Wolves he hasn't really done anything this year Aurier can't even get himself onto the squad anymore after his lackluster performances on the back end and then Mm -hmm. Regulon he's only on the team because he's got a wicked left foot and then 
Ben Davies, he's been he struggled as well. He's got no answers on on at all four positions, honestly. For sure. I think the modern game and the modern style, your fullbacks have to be such quality players for modern systems to function. Um, and I don't think I think Mourinho's style, like it's pretty cliche, but I think it's outdated and he's trying to adapt to the the modern style, but it's just not working. Look, he could doubt, prove me wrong, I don't know, but from what I've seen so far, um, there seems to be a bit of a disconnect there. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd say he's definitely out the modern game. And I think probably after the second season at United is probably when it probably started to kick in very, very quickly. Even at a second stint at Chelsea, though, too, you were starting to see the little bit of the writing on the walls. Just a little bit. It wasn't as yeah, bad. There were, yeah, there were little patches, as you were saying, at Chelsea where it was showing. But if you look at all the other clubs, first, second, first, second, trebles, trophies, Champions League, yeah. everything. But last couple of seasons, it's been pretty dusty. Yeah, he does sure. still have the Carabao Cup, though, so you don't know if he's going to be their, uh, the saviour to the Tottenham fans. The Manchester City Cup. Yeah. yeah, yeah. City will actually play their 11 players that they want to play because they're freaking playing five different guys each week, every game. So, yeah. What do you, what what can you say about them? I mean, I'm pretty. I have this the title over. I'm assuming you two say the title's over, yeah. right? Yeah. And yeah. then what what has Pep just done to the squad since uh, November? It's been absolutely immaculate, right? I think when it comes to City. My, it wasn't a concrete opinion, but it was definitely a question that I was asking about Pep Guardiola was um, in his career, he sort of, I know he did build the team at Barcelona, but he walked into a title winning squad at Bayern. He walked into a title winning squad at City. And now that that core, like your Torres, David Silvers, Aguero's are sort of on the, or they, two of them are gone, but they're sort of moving on. The question was asked whether or not he could have the ability to be given time to bring in a new set of generational players um, for that team. And that was, a, I had a question over, over his head about that. Like I thought, is, is they going to drop down? But he has completely proven me wrong. Um, I think it just took that little bit or took, they had that season off mentally, I think last year. And now they've just got the, the machine rolling again. And you're just seeing it. So I think they're going to be at the top for at least another five years, which is sad to say, but it's pretty inevitable. Damn. <laughs> Alex? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I agree with what Brad said, really. But as you said, I do think, and I've always said it, he's, he's one of the best managers in the world at the moment, if not, he's up there. The best of all time, Alex. I, up, he's up there. <laughs> no, seriously, he's up there. I reckon he's up there. Good. He's got he's got to win a Champions League to even get in that conversation with City because he keeps blowing it every time. Well, a lot of people put Arsene Wenger in there as well. What did he win with um, Arsenal? Other than I don't have Wenger other, up there. Other than twenty thousand FA Cups and one unreal season, <laughs> it's, it's a, it's but he's still in the question. But I think in terms of foot, in terms of football, the way he plays, that's my style. I like watching that ticker tacker football, tr- lots of triangles and that four three three type of formation. Um, but yeah, and he, and he knows how to bring the best out of players. Like you look at young Phil Foden, who's 20 years old. He's two years younger than us. And he's, he's doing unreal. I think, and I've said it before, he's arguably probably the best young player in the world at the moment. And Wow. That's a, still, that's, that's still, a, those are big words. Yeah. 
of course, Haaland and Mbappe, who's still doing bits, but if you've put stats next to stats and like the way he's been, the two different players, you're gonna, you've got a midfielder slash wide player up against a striker. It is hard to compare, especially goals. But if we're talking on, on the ball terms, running at defenders and passing. Well, I think I think looking what Alex is saying, like obviously Haaland and Mbappe uh, at the top, you know what I mean? But... It's a, fair, it's a very fair argument to put Foden in that conversation purely down to him being in the Premier League and the way he's been nurtured in. And, like, look, if Halland comes to the Premier League next season, just say hypothetically, I don't think he'll be doing... I don't think he'll be doing much. You know what I mean? I think it'll take him time. I know it sounds silly, but you look at Chelsea's signings and what they've done in the Bundesliga um, or and the Eredivisie, but do you know what I mean? It takes time. And I think Foden, for such a young player to be doing what he's doing he definitely deserves to be in the conversation. But that's just my opinion. Obviously, you can disagree. And I think the game at Anfield against Liverpool pretty much put the cherry on the cake, really. It summed it up perfectly. For a young lad to do that, to go at Anfield, regardless if there was fans or no fans, Anfield is still Anfield. It's like arguably, it's up there for one of the greatest football stadiums in the world in terms of history and everything. And for to go away and do that in a big game, I think that Very kind of just wins it Fair. for me. Very true. What do you think his best eleven is for Pep? Who who's, who who would you who would you put in there? Give him his striker and his three, or does he go with a false nine? I think anyone in the last ten games. <laughs> it's, it's, t- it's hard, isn't it? There's so many yeah. options there. Would so you much. would you put Jesus up at the top, or would you put in a false nine with either Sterling, Foden, etc.? I'll probably go. Probably go like. It's hard because yeah. when, when I've watched Man City the past few years play Chelsea, especially at Sanford Bridge, they have played like a false nine and they've had De Bruyne at centre forward at some times. And I, I'm just not a massive fan of it, even though Chelsea have been playing with Havertz. But I've, if I was to choose, I'd always rather an out-and-out striker. But for me, I think Jesus is a quality player, but it's hard when you've had Aguero there for so long and try and fill boots like that. It just, it's just so hard, so... I don't know. It's it's a tough one. It's a tough one. He he has been scoring goals. He did get the double against Bulls um, a couple of days back. But I think for me up top, I'd probably go Jesus, Sterling, and Foden as a front three. Even though Sterling and Foden are more suitable on the left as a wide player, but I'd yeah. you'd have to, I'd want to chuck one more on the right. But not to say that Mares isn't a bad player either because he's been playing he's been playing well and scoring Insane. goals, but I he looked pretty he, bad on Tuesday. He missed all, He could have easily had a four goals on Tuesday. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, he's not quite that le- level of Sterling Foden in my thought. He's kind of mm-hmm. just like he's, he's not quite there. Yeah. And I think for him to get to that level is he needs to finish those opportunities, like you just said. Yeah. It, like they need, he needs to be able to finish them easy. And now what? You got De Bruyne, Gundogan, and Rodri underneath? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Not, not, and then again, you got Bernardo Silva as well. Yeah, like, and then you can bring Bernardo off the bench. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Sounds right. ridiculous. So, yeah. What do you think of? Let's switch now to Liverpool. They're, the torch is being passed. He, Klopp got the biggest um, reward last year by finally getting Liverpool that Premier League title. What, what are the expectations for them for the rest of the way? Do they have to get back into the top four? Do you see it? Or where do you see Liverpool going the rest of the way? 
And do you think Klopp is to blame for a lot of the defensive struggles and scoring struggles? I think that expectation-wise, they have to make top four purely down to um, the financial reasons and like the status of the club. They need to be making Champions League every year. Uh, I don't think Klopp is going anywhere, but it's hard because you could argue that you could blame man management on Klopp and the way that he's played his teams over the past two years and they've sort of burnt out a little bit. But you can also argue that the board um, and the hierarchy of the club haven't provided enough for him um, bringing in additions, if you know what I mean. But yeah. I don't know. Liverpool's a, it's a hard it's a hard topic because I look at Liverpool fans and they say, "Oh, Van Dijk's injured. That's the main reason why we're losing." And then you see rival fans go, "Well, look at your front three. They're world class. How can they score against Burnleys, Fulham's, etc. Like that?" So it's hard because I think I'm not going to sit here and it's purely down to Van Dijk. Yeah, but looking at them over the past two years and now, um, you see that Van Dyke is, is the key to everything. I'm not giving excuses for their attack. I think they still sh- they're out of form. But Van Dyke in, um, in that role allows Robertson and Trent to be double the players they are now. Mm-hmm. And adding those two uh, wide players into the front three, that was sort of your connection and your goal threats all the time. You know what I mean? So... But then, therefore, there's a criticism of that saying, well, why hasn't Klopp worked out a different way to play? Because that's definitely a question mark on him. Why haven't they... Like, they can't just rely on Van Dyke. They need to figure out other ways to play. So that is definitely a criticism. But, yeah, that, that's my opinion on Liverpool. It's, it's hard, but <laughs> it's, it's a for complex sure. thing. But, yeah, that's my opinion. Well, I, I think, for me, Liverpool, they won't make top four. I think they'll make, like, a fifth or sixth spot so okay. they're looking they're looking at Europa League because yeah. I still think West Ham are a better side than Liverpool at the moment at the moment um, West Ham are on solid form Liverpool on the down drop but you look at Liverpool's squad and we've got two mates that are Liverpool fans who we do a round table special with and one of them said when I look at Liverpool's lineup and I don't see our strongest 11 I get worried so for me, and I agree with him, they, they, Liverpool don't really have much depth. Yeah. Look, we just, we just spoke about Man City there. The depth they've got is unreal. Now, for a big club like Liverpool, who won the Champions League, won the Club World Cup, they've won the Premier League, they've won almost everything the last couple of years, like spread out. They've got, they've got barely any depth. And this season has came to bite them, and especially at the back as well. You know, Van Dijk got injured, then Henderson got injured, Robbo got injured, um, the front three are just aren't clicking at the moment because they're dropping results and confidence is low. They're panicking in front of goal, um, not hitting them as much as they should be. Like any other day, you give Salah, Mane, Firmino those opportunities, they, they're going in. They're going to go in yeah. on a good yeah. day. But hit them at a bad time, it's like anyone else who plays. You're, you're going to miss it. So mm-hmm. I, think depth, well, I think depth is massive. Yeah, I think he does like depth. I think he's going to get a real big offer for the German national team job that people, I mean, I know he already has been denying it the past couple of weeks since Lowe came out that he said he's going to leave after Europe, European championships. But I think he's going to get, he's going to get a fat wad of cash where he's going to have to really contemplate mm. leaving. And I think for them, he needs, he needs to really take a look at the squad because he's not getting the depth that he needs. And for me, I don't say Van Dyke is the ultra criticism without him is the issue because at the end of the table, I know they were 
they had already won the championship, but they were starting to look lackluster at the back towards the end of last year too. I mean, the championship was already there. So I give them a pass there, but you could see this right a little bit of signs that you could see Van Dyke was starting to miss some balls. He was, wasn't as sharp as you thought he would look. Mm. So I think for me, for Liverpool, they just, they really don't have an answer, a depth at center back. And yeah, I agree with you guys that if, if he doesn't adapt their style, Robertson and Trent Alexander-Arnold look absolutely below average because they yeah. def- they get exposed defensively nine times out of ten this year. Mm-hmm. And they really have not been able to showcase. We know that the, what they're how wonderful they are when they're attacking and trying to get whip balls into the box. But yeah. on that back end, they're really getting exposed, which I think is kind of hindering mm-hmm. Klopp's idea. And he's just keep sticking with it and hoping that they're going to outscore teams almost at this point. Yeah. Yeah, no, 100% agree. And I think going back to Robbo and Trent, I think Trent's getting caught out the most this season as well. Yeah. For someone whose attacking, attacking um, ability is more, is more of a strength than his defensive ability, I think, yeah, definitely get more on. And it's kind of just like push, push Trent forward, get the ball in, whip it in type, of, type exactly. of play. Or give the ball to Salah, let him dribble a bit. You put it in behind for Mane for his pace. It's, it's that type of game. It's, and their yeah. issue with them is that they don't have a true nine when the Robertson and Alexander Arnold are really whipping balls into the box. You, we, yeah. I, like, I don't see Firmino as a true nine. Exactly. I see Firmino still like when he plays on Brazil, he's more, he plays more at a winger position, you know? So yeah. they, I mean, they also play with the false nine issue. Yeah. And I think if you look across to the other side of Liverpool at Everton, where I feel Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who is more of a true nine, he's in the box, yeah. he's winning headers, he's holding the ball up, turning, having shots. He's, I think that's more of the, I wouldn't say type of, type of player. Not Liverpool could go grab someone a bit better than DCL, but yeah. not far yeah. off it. I don't know if you would want to go over and switch sides in the in the in the derby, in the derby though either. Yeah. No <laughs> you might not want to do that. No. But let's um before let's switch gears to the bottom of the table, guys. So we know the bottom of the table it looks like Sheffield and West Brom have pretty much solidified themselves as going down. But there yeah. is still a little bit of a race for that third and final spot. Fulham has started to look play with some confidence. They've looked really well in the past couple of weeks. I mean, they beat Liverpool also on the mm. road, which is kind of impressive there. And yeah, they, exactly. they're two points behind Newcastle. I mean, Newcastle and Brighton both have games in hand, and then Brighton's three points clear of Fulham. Out of those three teams right now, who would you think is going to end up going down? Fulham, Newcastle, or Brighton? Or could it be Southampton or Burnley? I, thought, I think Southampton or Burnley are safe, in my opinion, but... Uh, yeah, well, when you're looking at relegation battles, you look at it from, if you're looking at it now, what, 10 games to go, you sort of go, well, oh, yeah, this is going to happen. But the thing I've learned over many years of watching the Premier League is you absolutely do not know what is going to happen. <laughs> um, sure. But we'll take that into account. I actually see Fulham staying up. I think they're, they've been in form and I think um, they will get some oh, – they'll scrape – I reckon they'll scrape a few wins and a few draws. Um, but – it's hard. I don't. I don't see Newcastle either. But you just don't know, do you? It, no, you don't. And, like Brighton, I don't have, and, Bright, and Brighton's been playing good football. They've just had mental collapses at the end of the game, which have been costing yeah. them points. Yeah, exactly right. And they can't finish either, which doesn't help. Yeah, Brighton should have blew out Leicester City the other day, and Leicester yeah. somehow won that game at the end because of a major goalkeeper error. So yeah, exactly right. When you look at um, those three teams' run-ins as well, 
they're all quite difficult. You know what I mean? They've, they've yeah. half of their next five are against the big six. So that's massive. If they can scrape a point, just even a point can be massive in a relegation battle, especially with the, the games the other teams have. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know, Alex, what do you reckon if you were to put money on a team to go down with those two? Um, I think Newcastle can scrape a point here and there. And I think Brighton might be safe, but I want, I, I'm leaning between Newcastle and Fulham. Okay. Um, that's, that's my little bet there. But you look at Newcastle's next five games, they've got Brighton, Tottenham at home, Burnley, West Ham at home, Liverpool. Then Fulham's got Leeds at home, Aston Villa, Wolves at home, then Arsenal and Chelsea back to back. That Newcastle Brighton game is almost an elimination game right there, too. But if, three, anyone, yeah. if either of them can get three points there, that's a massive product Pretty right much. there. And Newcastle's got um, Burnley two match days after that, so who are only a, two spots above them. So yep. there's a little bit of hope for Newcastle to stay up, whereas Fulham, they've got tough games, next five games. So good luck to them. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. I was actually leaning towards Brighton like because of what you two guys have mentioned, the, like the lack of finishing – and they yeah. just have the they've been having those mental lapses that drive managers crazy in the final 15 minutes, yeah. yielding those goals that really yield from a point to zero to zero or from three points yeah. to one point. I mean, I know Brighton's schedule, they do play Newcastle. I think is it is it at Newcastle or is it at Brighton? I think that's big, it, honestly. It is Brighton's but New that's at Newcastle. Yeah, I like Newcastle to probably take the three points there. I like yeah. Especially if Callum Wilson play was able to play at all, mm. he'll he'll score. And then yeah. I I just don't know what you're gonna get out of Brighton other than Mope. You know he's gonna be he's gonna be a critical point of the game. Mm. But Lalana inconsistent, Welbeck inconsistent. Yeah. Uh, you could even go with yeah. I think Lewis Dunk has been their best scorer the past like three or four matches, which is their center back on set pieces, which is pretty ridiculous as well. Yeah, so. exactly. And I think in front of goal in that final third, Brighton. They're going 100 miles an hour. They're doing a bit of a Liverpool where they're panicking, they're rushing things, whereas you got time a little bit. You're playing the best league in the world for a reason. Put your foot on the ball a little bit and place it. Don't just, they, sma- don't just smash it. Don't smash it. They do like to, like Potter gets them playing, holding the ball. You know, I mean, they, they do play quite attractive, good football. Like It's not like they're just hoofing it like Burnley. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're gonna, chances will come <laughs> just when throw you it up to Chris, Kick it up to Chris Wood and hope. That's yeah, that's, that's exactly what we said. <laughs> Word to word, spot on. <laughs> Same with Crystal Palace. Just kick it up to Ben Taker and Zaha and hope too. Yeah, and if as they will pick up the scraps and hopefully dribble. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So let's do a little bit of rapid fire, guys. So I want to. We are. We both. We all gave our opinion on the bottom of the table, but I want to hear who has been the overachievers of the Premier League to you so far. For me, it's clearly West Ham. Do you guys agree on that, or do you have a different team that's really overachieved as well? Um, I'm going to say West Ham, but the funny thing is, at the start of the season, we absolutely battered West Ham. We knocked them, the other two. We we gave them a lot of rubbish, and well, it was I think because it came to bite us pretty hard. I think, I think we looked. I think it was the first two games, or first, might have been first three games they lost. I think, and then we looked. Yeah, at they were at, they were um, down there. We looked at their next five, six, seven games, and we we Alex and I sat here and thought. They're, they're not going to get one point. Like, the way they're playing, they're not going to get one point from the first, like, 10 games. So, we're like, well, you know what I mean? That's a relegation yeah. battle waiting to happen. 
So it's crazy, yeah, considering that obviously West Ham is a massive, massive shock. That's football. Yeah, for sure. Um, Next, who's been your biggest disappointment of the year? Um, I'm actually going to go and say um, Aston... Aston Villa? Biggest disappointment? Yeah. Do you think as a team or, or a player? I think... You, I was going to do as a team, then I was going to do a player right after that. Right. So I'm leaning towards Aston Villa or Everton because they both started very strong. Um, Everton were up there for ages. I think they were first for four, first seven weeks and they were top four for a while and boom, dropped right down to seventh. Aston Villa were up there as well for a while and they've dropped right down to ninth. Yeah. Um, I think for Arsenal to be down to 10th... I, that was kind of my no, expectation. That, that was my expectation. Middle, yeah. of the, middle of the yeah. pack. It doesn't shock me. It's Arteta's first season. First proper season, you could say. He came midway through last season. Um, but yeah, then I think Mourinho, I just think Mourinho is just out of modern day football and I don't think he's got the players to win the title. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think going off the... The theory of expectation. I reckon the biggest disappointment has been Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Pretty, pretty easy for me because being so good for for two years consistently to lose, breaking the record of the most losses in a row at Anfield in their history, I think that is enough for me to say that they've been the biggest disappointment. Yeah, for me, I'd have to go Tottenham. As you guys have mentioned, Mourinho's style, and you bring in a name like Gareth Bale, the Tottenham lore that he brings in from what he did before he went to Real Madrid. I think you thought that Mourinho would almost take a little bit of a different page out of someone's book and switch it up and try and become more offensive oriented. And yet now he still only goes for that one goal and he still drops back and then it ends up hurting them to lose points. So I think that's been a real issue for Mourinho. I think he's actually more on the hot seat than people actually realize. Yeah. Especially with the expectations of that kind of squad. I think Son being injured now, might save him for the rest of the season because yeah. he can he'll have that excuse. But I think Mourinho Mourinho has a difficult proposition here if he doesn't get in if he doesn't get into that top six. I'm pretty sure Mourinho has uh, he signed a three year contract as well, so he would have a year left. So I don't think Daniel Levy would sack yeah. him. Like if I was a betting man, I'd say that they just run his contract down for sure. But we'll see. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then uh, let's switch it up to who's been the best player that best player on the pitch right now. Is it Bruno by far for you guys? 100% Bruno. 100%. You can't argue. I reckon it's Gundogan. At the moment, but not all year. All year. If we're talking from the season, from word go till now, it's got to be Bruno. Bruno if De Bruyne didn't get hurt, I would go, I would have gone to Bruyne, but oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Um, but I, I agree, I would have to go Fernandez because of the longevity and because De Bruyne was injured for mm. those couple months. Yeah, and I think if you look at Gundogan, don't get me wrong, he's probably deserves the the um, player of the year after Bruno, but he didn't start rocking up till December January. The season no, pretty much De Bruyne went out and he basically yeah. took the keys and was like, all right, let's do this. Exactly. Whereas Bruno's been on it from day dot. He probably hasn't turned up for about four games, five well, games. Every big game that I watch Bruno play, he hasn't turned up in. So. I, mean, every big, every, I mean, every big game that we watch, no one turns up in. It's always a boring game. <laughs> it turns well, into I'm the nil-nil draw. I'm yeah. not saying Bruno. Bruno's not a bad player. I think he's a really good player, but I think he's 
the stat padding that that man does is ridiculous. Who, Gundogan? No, Bruno Fernandes. Like, he's the saviour of Man United. He's, yeah. he's got you second. You're not going to win anything. And, yeah. he, and he's got half his goals are penalties. Yeah, but he's still creating opportunities. He's putting an impact <laughs> on the team. It's the impact that he's putting on. Yeah, I think he's made a big impact with his penalties, yeah. With his well, penalties. who would you go with then, Brad? Uh, Gundogan. Okay, Gundogan. You know, that. another fair shout I think you'll like this answer is Ndidi. I mean, Ndidi's been absolutely phenomenal as our defensive mid. I feel like he's really embraced and took it on that challenge of being the next N'Golo Conte, but I think Conte really hasn't fulfilled what you guys thought he was going to be at Chelsea really at all, right? You think he's disappointed? Um, the first season uh, when we won the league with Conte, he was like unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, and then since then, he hasn't really got back to that level. But this morning um, – when we beat Atletico a few hours ago, he was that was the best performance I've seen from him. I agree. Since we won the league. He did look really good. He did look really good today. But I think Ndidi right now, I, I can't, I could be wrong, but I can't name a better defensive midfielder in the Prem than, than Wolfram Ndidi. Simply. No, I can't either. I don't think there's a debate right now. No, for sure. So uh, he's definitely in the conversation. But Bruno is as well. I'm not saying he isn't. But I don't think Ndidi will be in that talk because he's a defensive-minded player. Because they, a lot of them try and look for the offensive prowess now, especially they love statistics. That's I'll, what I'll awards my, are now, basically. I'll sure. put my apartment on Bruno Fernandez winning the league. You heard it here first, everyone. Alex will drop the apartment. The year. The year. I'll put my apartment on it. <laughs> Fantastic. All right, boys. So, who's been the biggest disappointment as a player in the, so far this year? Um, oh, he's going to say Timo Werner. Timo Werner. It's not Timo Werner has got the most contributions for us out of anyone. Yeah, but he's. I've, I've had more cups of tea this morning than when he's had bloody goals. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm not going to. I think he's been a disappointment. He has. He yeah. comes under disappointment, but I don't think he's been the biggest disappointment. I think he has. I for think someone who scored thirty odd goals, forty goals last season in all competitions, and he's gone out to score five. You know what I mean? He's, he's, Diego Jota scored more goals than him. Hmm. I think his, his projection of contrib- contributions this season will probably be just a little bit over half of what he got last season. So I, for me, that doesn't say biggest disappointment. But if he's coming in as a striker and as an attacking player, you, his objective is to score goals. That's his job. Like a mailman supposed to deliver my mail. I don't know. It's, it's hard. It's hard. But I, I just think that you can't... Obviously, looking at his season last year at Leipzig, like unbelievable. You know what I mean? And my expectations were, I wouldn't say extremely high because I knew it's going to take some time, but I thought he would do better. But that's not me writing him off. I think he'll, he'll, come, he'll come good. But I think at disappointments, other than Chelsea players, Alex, uh, probably I think oh, Thiago Gareth. is definitely yeah, a Yeah, Thiago. Even Gareth Bale as well. I would have, I think uh, one issue is that James Rodriguez, I think he's has been a big disappointment too. And I think, I mean, he's had some great games, don't get me wrong. But the biggest problem with capability is availability. And Hmm. he cannot get out of his own way. And then he, he lights too much of a fire in himself sometimes. He's arguing a lot. And then when his, when he doesn't have it, you all, you can almost book him for a yellow card because he's just, He's got that – he's just overreacting so easily. Yeah. So, I would have to go Hamas there potentially. I mean, Martial has been absolutely horrid for you guys. 
up in Man United. Oh, no yeah. Offense, yeah. But he has been, definitely. I, I think I would have to put him in that realm, too. But, yeah, I would, have, I would maybe lean James Rodriguez just because, like, you bring in a big name like that, you could also go with Bale. You bring in that big of a signing to produce, and he hasn't done what you thought he was going to be capable of. So no. I would have to go there. Uh, all right, gentlemen, give me your top four. What? Where does it end up? Who's the top four? Um, city, city first. Uh, oh, it's tough. It's tough. I'd probably. Do your two teams both stay in the top four? I, th- I think they do. I think yeah, it'll be. I think, I think United will finish. I think it'll be as it is now. I think it's. Yeah, I think a lot of be as it is now as well. United, uh, Man City, United, Leicester, Chelsea. Anything? And if there's any change, I'd say Chelsea third, Leicester fourth. But that. I'd, I'd lean more towards Leicester third. Wow. Yeah. I honestly, I think from, I, I mean, as a Leicester fan, I'm, I'm not going to ruin it. And I'm going to say that we're going to drop out. So we're not going to be in the top four at the end of the day. I think not having Madison and Barnes has really hurt us. I know Ianacho has finally stepped into the, a role that we thought he was going to be capable of. Yeah. I mean, but there is just no, the, the play is not as free flowing as, we thought it was going to be as soon as Madison and Barnes went down. You have Barnes who is able to take on any defender when he has to. And then Madison's vision with the, when he has the ball at his feet is absolutely immaculate. So if I had to go, I'm going to go city one United two. I think I'm going to say that Lester drops out and I'm praying that we don't, I'm going to say Chelsea drops to three and I'm going to go with an actually a curveball. I think, I think Everton's going to sneak back in to fourth. Yeah, right. Okay. Because they've got two more games that they're going to have available than everyone else by the end of the year. They're going to have those yeah. two extra games because they're a game down. Yeah, they're at 28 right now in comparison to everyone else is either at 29 or 30. Look, even Aston Villa, they've only played 27, but Everton's mm. got an opportunity. I don't think Mourinho's going to be able to handle it. I think Leicester will finish fifth. I think, yeah, West Ham probably sixth. I think Liverpool might drop out of the top six. Really I think did. European football is also a big, um, big influence as well. Obviously, Chelsea and uh, Liverpool and both Tottenham and Arsenal are still in the Europa League. So that's more games to focus on. Um, but yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. It's what it's good about football. You just, you just never know. You never know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, gentlemen, wh- thanks for taking some time. It was a pleasure. Why don't you guys tell everyone where to catch your stuff at? Back to me. All right. Um, you can follow us on all the socials, uh, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, at the Wannabe Pundits. We upload regularly every week between a month on a, either a Wednesday or Thursday. Talk everything from the Premier League, fixtures, transfers, you name it. We've got some special guests lining up. Um, we've got a big debate coming up also with another group of lads. So it's all happening. So look us up at the Wannabe Pundits. For sure. Oh, I almost forgot. What's your goal of the year at the moment before I let you guys go real quick? Um, Mine is Reese James against Brighton. Okay. I think, I think I'm, I'm tossing between two, but I'm leaning towards Harry Kane's last week against Crystal Palace, I think it was, the Palace they played. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go a little bit different. I'm going Ben Teke in the 93rd to, to, with the, off the volley. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, that was a good one. That was a good one. I just think just because it was the last kick of the game, it had a lot more importance than people thought. And Benteke really just 
cannot score at the moment if you really yeah. tried. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of yeah, ironic. The yeah, the context behind it and the technique and all was pretty good. So Fair all sure. right, gentlemen. It was a pleasure having you guys on. So everyone, that was our Premier League edition of Final Whistle with the wannabe pundits. It was a real treat to have these guys come on. And we've been working on trying to figure out how to get them on for the past couple of weeks. It's been a, a little bit of a struggle with the time difference, but glad we were able to get it all worked out. Gentlemen, enjoy the rest of your evening. Enjoy the madness. Enjoy the Premier League, gentlemen.